today on Real Radio. Why are you alive? Who are you as a believer? Listen, church, God has called every one of us to live the Christian life for a specific purpose that is uniquely you. No one else can live it. No one else can fulfill it. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, with a message called The Christian Life, Part 1. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the original 12 disciples of Christ who later became the leader of the first church. There were times when Peter failed the Lord, that's true, but he learned that through Christ's forgiveness and compassion, he could find joy even in the midst of failure and the pain that it causes. Peter writes to us that the Christian life is anchored in the hope of a future. Still, there is a direct correlation between our level of hope and the devotion we have towards God. He tells us to conduct ourselves in fear and reverence of the Lord, but the terrorizing fear that the Roman Emperor Nero caused for the Christian is not the same fear. There's a beautiful, healthy, and appropriate fear of the Lord that's greater than any earthly intimidation. So today on day two of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that God doesn't have favorites. God judges not by statutes or merit, but with perfect knowledge and according to one's faithfulness. We have a specific purpose and calling, and we're to seek the Lord about what we're supposed to be doing during our time here on earth. And now in his message called The Christian Life, Part 1, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. And then look at the word judge or judges. Krino is the word in the Greek, and it means, watch this. Oh, you're going to want to write this down. This is amazing. It means to judge with perfect knowledge and perfect understanding of the issues to know all that can be known. So watch, God doesn't have his favorites, and when he judges, it's with perfect knowledge, which you and I have no concept of. Look at the word according. The word means that he, do, he judges without partiality, he judges with perfect knowledge, and he judges according. The word means ruling or making a ruling based upon someone's faithfulness, to what was expected of them. Listen, church, it means to make a determination, evaluation that is equal to the ability and the opportunity given. This is awesome. What does it mean? The Bible, first of all, tells us in the book of Colossians that those who judge themselves among themselves with others are not wise. Did you know that? Don't judge your situation against another brother or sister's situation. The Bible says right here, the word judgment, that God without partiality will judge me. He will judge you based upon perfect knowledge of your life. Listen, and it's going to be according to what you were called in life to do. Why are you alive? Who are you as a believer? Listen, church, God has called every one of us to live the Christian life for a specific purpose that is uniquely you. No one else can live it. No one else can fulfill it. 
It would be wrong for you to judge your life against my life or my life against your life. can't do that. And he does it perfectly. And this is what he's looking for. Watch, it's going to matter big time in a moment. He knows what he's placed inside of you to do. It's, by the way, Christian, it's incumbent upon every Christian to find out what it is. You've got to find that out by seeking him and asking him, what, God, for what purpose have you brought me into the family of God? What is my purpose to the church? What is my purpose to the believing family of God? You seek him and you ask him constantly. And then the next thing is this. Lord, I want to fulfill that plan, whatever it is. Whatever you've planned for me and you show it to me, I'm going to do it. Now watch, you say, well, Jack, if you just showed me it, I would do it. That's not true of us. It's not true. We know this from the Bible. We know this from our own lives. Here's what God does. Are you sitting down? Here it comes. God will only show you one step at a time. He'll show you one step at a time. If you're asking the Lord, if you're calling upon the Father and you're crying out to him, he who judges without partiality will respond to you. And he's going to tell you what to do. He's going to show you what to do. And listen, cheer up. It's going to be terrifying. It's going to be something that's impossible to you. Yet God's going to do it through you. So he gets all the glory. You're humbled. Listen, when God is using people, you know it. They should be humble people. When you see people boasting around that they're servants of God, something's wrong. And in this, God supernaturally is using you in the world, in the church, and he only judges you, he'll only judge me based upon my response to the opportunities that he brings. And I find this greatly comforting because all I'm supposed to do, in fact, I could have said this seven minutes ago and moved on to the next point, All he's asking us to do is to obey him when he says whatever he says. And when you do that as a believer, hey, any non-believers in here? Listen up. For the Christian, obedience is liberty and freedom. When we obey God, I'm telling you, there's no drug on earth that can compare to that. It is so fulfilling, it is so exhilarating, and it is so, what's the word, It so brings you back for more. There's nothing like it. And Jesus put it this way. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that great? (laughs) and appointed you. There's the key. Listen, are you a Christian? Raise your hand. Jesus picked you, and when he picked you, he appointed you to a purpose. Listen, every one of us who raised our hands a moment ago should be able to articulate to somebody else what that purpose is. What is it that Christ has appointed you to do? Now that you're saved, now that you're his. He says, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain the purpose of the Christian life. This is meaningful. We have access. God is good. Our hope is anchored to his goodness. Thirdly, under verse 17, is that 
The Christian life is anchored because the future is all about hope and that hope awaits the outcome. As believers, every day we get closer to heaven. The outcome is better for us every day. Every day. I don't understand this church. I know this theologically. I'm going to give it to you, but I really can't explain it much. Why is it that the moment we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, that moment we become born again, the Bible says, why don't we just drop dead at that moment and go straight to heaven? Why do we have to keep living on in this cesspool of a world? Why put up with cancer, with the world's problems, with relationship issues? Why not just go straight to heaven? Wouldn't that be great? Can't God do that? Of course he can do that. Then why do we have to hang around here? Apparently from the Bible, it's for our benefit, in the end, standing before God, we will actually be able to admit that it was better for us to have stayed in this world to our appointed time, and when we die or we get raptured and go to heaven, in the day of judgment, you and I are going to have the response of Christ to the opportunities that you and I were faithful to in life. Somehow we're going to be rewarded we don't, care. we don't care about that. I think we will care that day. Right? Because, you know, we're humble. We'll say, oh, I don't need any rewards, Jesus. It's okay. The Bible says that we're going to stand before Christ. And after the day of uh, judgment before Christ at the Bema Seat and we're rewarded, it appears from the book of Revelation, we will then take those rewards and cast them at his feet and worship. It goes back to him. So all of a sudden it changes the dynamic, doesn't it? I want to do what I do. I want to have the motivation that pleases God in this life to obey him because not that I'm going to get a big bucket of rewards on the day of judgment and walk around saying, hey, guys, look at my bucket. Ooh, want to, want to look inside my bucket? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to be rewarded, and then we're going to turn right around with the volume of what we were faithful to for Christ and cast it back at him, and it's going to go to his benefit. And you see, all of a sudden, listen, church, all of a sudden, I'm going to want to be faithful, I'm going to want to obey him, and I'm going to want to call upon the Father, and I want to do it in hope, because the future for the believer is anchored in hope, and that day is coming when the outcome is going to be awesome, and it's going to be all about him, not about me, not about you. It's going to be all about him. And that matters to every one of us this morning if you love him. If you love him, you want to bless him. And if you love him, it's because you understand he loves you. And if you love him, it's because he paid such a price to get you and I into heaven. The outcome is amazing. In Matthew 16, verse 24, the Bible says, then Jesus, Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. I'll explain in a moment. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is not talking about killing yourself. He's not talking about anything physical like that. Jesus is saying this. Take your life that you've been given. Stop living it for yourself because that's a dead end. You're going to live for yourself. You're going to wind up dying in the end and it'd be disastrous. But take the life that you've been given and invest it into the glory of Jesus. Invest it into what God wants to do. Find out what that is. And Jesus is saying, that's giving up your life. And when you give up your life back to God, it ends well with you. The outcome is fantastic. 
Isn't this, I think that's simple. Is that simple? I think so. And he goes on. It's amazing about the outcome. Look what he says. He says that you conduct or conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay. Now, I thought about this for a moment. Con, con, conduct, you know, conduct means uh, manage yourself, make decisions. The word means to uh, think ahead, plan for yourself as a believer throughout the time. Watch how brief Peter puts this of your stay. What's he talking about? He's talking about our lifetime on earth. He calls it a stay. Now, remember, this shouldn't surprise us because chapter one, earlier, he talks about us being foreigners and sojourners and pilgrims. So now he says, we're just, we just have a little layover. Isn't that funny? The Bible, he's referring to us being here like a little layover. <laughs> the word stay is the word that means, listen, the time it takes for you to pass by. That's what the word means. You're just passing by. Peter says, for us as believers, we're passing by. The word means, as I said, sojourner, to be on a trip. It means uh, to overnight somewhere. You're not digging down. It's the difference, I guess, in staying in a motel versus a hotel. How long do you want to stay in a motel? You know, as short as possible, right? This world's a motel. So yeah, but Pastor, I just drove through Brentwood and Bel Air and I saw mansions, motels. <laughs> I saw a home in, uh, I don't know, Emerald Bay or wherever that is, Laguna area, 22,000 square foot house. Does anyone need a 22,000 square foot house? And it's worth all these multiple millions of dollars. And uh, it's displayed, and you can look, and you can see, and it's, wow! Motel. According to God, for the believer, it's an overnight stay for us right here in this world. Is that fun? I like that. It kind of keeps you and I from digging down deep and getting our roots into this world because we're just passing by. We're nomadic, as it were. We're on the move. We're spiritually with those that Peter was talking to 2,000 years ago. And that's a good way to live your life. How long are you going to be here? So wait, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm taking vitamins. <laughs> I am too. My wife is so great. I don't know if you've seen my wife, but people accuse me of, of robbing the cradle. Lisa look, is beautiful. And uh, she looks so young. Uh, and I think it's just God all over her life. But you should see that, that young woman take vitamins. Lisa can take vitamins. She's, she's, kinda, she's got me taking vitamins. But listen, you're not staying long. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the, we found the fountain of youth. Motel. <laughs> listen, it does, I don't know how long you're going to live. Well, you know, Jack, my family, most of my family have lived to be 100. Motel. You're just passing by. According to eternity, where we're going, a 100-year-old life is just but a vapor. We're just passing by on this. Peter is saying, for the brief moment you have in this life, invest it into the things of God. I love that. And then he uses the word fear. You say, yeah, you mentioned that weird word fear. What is this? It's, it is the Greek word phobos. We get phobia from this word fear. 
It means to be put to flight. It means to run. To run away from something. It means to be in dread of. Listen. It means to dwell or to live or to sojourner with a profound awe of reverence. This is a big difference. This world can scare you. This world can impose some sort of intimidating fear. The Bible says that the fear of man is a what? Snare. Have you noticed how often the world and others will try to manipulate you to do something by fear? They'll say something like, if you don't do this, I'm going to say this. If you don't do that, I'm going to, you know, it's manipulation. It's using fear tactics. But the Bible says that we're to fear God. Are we to be afraid of God? By no means. That's why he says, Father, to us. But we are to be in reverential awe. It's a very, very serious. I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not lightening the meaning, but it does mean to have a deep, profound, reverential awe. And church, can I just kind of uh, go off note here for a moment and just, just say this. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying this church. I'm saying the church in America, if not the church in the world, needs to get back to reverential awe of God. Songs, shirts, stickers, verbiage. It's demeaning, I believe, to the character of God, the way that we put it. Contrary to what you hear, God is not the big dodger in the sky. Everybody knows that. He's not the big dodger in the sky for L.A. Okay, the California angels don't have a little bit closer position with God because of the, of the halo over their hat. Well, you know, God and I are buds. No, you're not. <laughs> we have verbalized and expressed a low view of God in our conversation. Oh, you know, me and the big man upstairs, we get along. You should never talk about God like that. There should be a deep reverential awe of God. And by the way, there will be on the day that you and I meet him, we will fall on our face in awe of him. The Bible says that we will do that. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awe-inspiring. We'll be in this healthy fear. I've told you guys this before, but there's great ways to experience a hint of that. You ever been in a big electrical storm? That'd do it to you. When the lightning's going on around you. Have you ever been so close to an electrical storm that the hair on your head and on your arm stands up? You're in trouble. Let me look, note, to, it's summertime's coming. You're going to go vacation somewhere where it rains. <laughs> and you could have a storm. Trust me, if you're out and about and it's stormy and the hair on your arms begin to stand up or you see your wife or husband's hair go whoop, quickly get flat down on the ground. You are near a lightning strike. That would put awe in you. Have you ever stood at the edge without the railing of the Grand Canyon? That'll put awe in you. Have you ever been at sea in a great storm? That'll put awe in you. Awe, the awe of God. When he speaks, the Bible says, it sounds like many waters rushing when he speaks. Can you imagine? Awe. The earth shakes. We have an earthquake. That'll put you in awe if it's big enough. If you're a native Californian, it's got to be 6.0 or above to generate awe. If you're a visitor, just a 1.5 would do it. 
Someday there's going to be a 20.0 in the presence of God. We'll be in awe. Early church father Polycarp said to the believers in Philippi, and I quote, bind up your loose robes and serve as God's slaves in reverential fear and truth. That's a good way of putting it. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's why we don't have wisdom in the church and out of the church today in America. There's no fear of God anymore. We need wisdom. Can't have it without being in awe of God. That verse goes on to say, by the way, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 34 verse 9 says, fear the Lord. This is a good thing. You, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. It's beautiful. Is that not great, huh? Are you guys okay? All right. Hope awaits the outcome. I'll give you this verse and we'll move on. One of the most precious verses, and you guys know this, we came through this book not all that long ago in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This kind of outcome genders hope in me and causes a sense of awe. The Bible says, be or being confident in the present tense of this very thing. Church Christian, listen. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. To me, that is awe-inspiring. That God is so powerful, yes, and willing to put up with me, to work on me, to mold me day by day to that person that pleases him. And he's not going to stop until Jesus comes back to me, causes awe. I love it. Point number two in our study today, you guys, is the Christian life is anchored to verses 18 and 19. And it's because the past is all about your faith. The past. Talked about the future a moment ago and hope. Your future is bound to hope. And listen, your past is all about your faith. So what do you mean by that? What's Peter talking about? Number one, the future, your future, is bound in hope. And... Um, We've been talking lately about hope on Sundays. Uh, the believer should never despair of hope, okay? Because you have a future. Because that's true, we consider this, the past. Listen, the past will kill you unless you have hope in the future. Every one of us can attest to that fact. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in a message called The Christian Life, Part 1. Thanks for joining us today. You know, our prayer is that your hope is in God, who is the author and finisher of our faith. The Christian Life, Part 1. It's part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. Many of you have already checked out Pastor Jack's Facebook page to receive news updates and to get a biblical perspective on what's happening in our world today. Many of you have also joined Pastor Jack for live services and special interviews. So, in that light, we'd like to tell you about an upcoming event that you don't want to miss. It's called Happening Now, a live event on biblical prophecy in light of current events. Now, joining Pastor Jack will be his good friend and Middle East expert, Amir Safati. If you're in the area, why don't you join us at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California, 
or you can live stream Happening Now on Pastor Jack's Facebook page or at his YouTube channel called Real Life with Jack Hibbs. It's on September 16th, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, September 16th, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Won't you join us? Hey, here's our phone number if you should need it. It's 877-RR-RADIO. That's a toll-free phone call. 877-777-2346. Also, here's the address. Jot this one down. P.O. Box 1273, Chino Hills, California, 91709. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.